So, you know, the littlest things make him happy. And I think it's a good gut check for the rest of us always and a reminder every day of just if someone who cannot see, cannot hear, can always be smiling all the time, how bad of a day are we really having? What was my line? Do I say this is okay, podcast? <laughs> Try this again. Hi, I'm Sheetal. And I'm Farheen. Every other week, we host a Smiley's with unique stories to tell. Welcome to Podvocative. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode. We are hosting Aaron, who is a wonderful guest that shares about his and his family's experience um, and what it was like growing up with a brother who is both blind and deaf. So his story is definitely one of resilience and one that we're so excited for you all to hear right after we answer a little trivia like we do. So this week, I wanted to ask Sheetal what she thinks is the best selling book in the world of all time. That's such a good question, and I feel like that's something I've wondered but never looked up, so I'm excited to know the answer. Um, I would guess best-selling of all time. That's such a huge... Yeah, it's a big one. Big title. I want to guess that Obama's new book is probably really high up there. Of all time? It was released like... Six I know, ago. but it's already before it even released. It was on like New York Times bestselling books. I was like, how? It, it's not even sold <laughs> yet. Yeah, I mean, mine is the opposite. You picked a book that was written this year. This year, maybe. Okay, To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe. Oh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. I was gonna say the Bible. Does that count, or should I pick a different one? I was gonna say the Bible or Harry Potter. <gasps> Harry Potter is a good one. Yeah, I don't know which Harry Potter, but any of the Harry Potter, maybe the first one. I you have know. to pick one. Yeah, the first one. <laughs> okay, let's look up the answer. Okay, what? let's find it. Are we ready? All right, number one with 500 million copies sold is Don Quixote. Whoa, Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes. Actually, we were not even. Oh, I was in the top five. So number two is A Tale of Two Cities. Then Lord of the Rings, then Little Prince, and then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is number five. Okay, what's like top ten? What's after that? Okay, so after that we have And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. Okay, I've never heard of this book, so I don't feel good about that. The next one is The Dream of the Red Chamber. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. And then number eight with 100 million is The Hobbit. Number nine, wait, I've never heard of this one either, but I like the title. Number nine is She, A History of Adventure. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. And then 10 is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm. Let's see if I... I actually don't even see... I'm trying to find... I don't even see To Kill a Mockingbird or the Bible on here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of your guesses made it. One of mine made it. Well, speaking of best-selling authors, Aaron is not... Yet, we don't know if he's aiming to be, but he's not a best-selling author. (laughs) He is a wonderful guest, um, and we really enjoyed talking to him. So Aaron grew up with a blind and deaf brother, and he talks about how his family, his parents migrated to the U.S. with a blind and deaf child, and they really had to, aside from learning how to assimilate into 
the U.S., they had to understand the healthcare system and really all the care that um, Ashish, Aaron's brother, would need. And so he talks us through what that was like growing up for him, how it's impacted their relationship, and how it's impacted him now to be a medical student, to pursue improving the patient experience from the other side. Yep. We hope y'all enjoy his story and we will see you in a bit. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for being here and for taking time to talk to us. We're so excited to dive deeper into your story. Um, but before we get started, we'd love to know a little bit more about you, who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then if you want to tell us your favorite pandemic snack. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited uh, to share my story. Uh, so my name is Aaron Galani. I'm currently a third-year medical student at Indiana University uh, up here in the Midwest, so it's very cold. Uh, be getting used to it. Uh, and I'm also founder and executive director of a nonprofit called Prescribe It Forward, which helps mentor pre-medical students, which I'd be happy to share more about. Now, those pandemic snaps keep me going. And my favorite snack right now is currently chocolate covered pretzels. I recently discovered like a good brand that I like. I'm a big fan of the yogurt covered ones. That's not white chocolate. It's a yogurt, right? It's like a different thing. Um, well, we're so excited to have you here. Thanks for hopping on. So obviously, our theme for this season is resilience, and we were touched by your story. Do you mind giving our listeners just a high-level overview of you know your story and what parts of it you know you've you felt resilient in, and and where you've needed to be resilient throughout your life? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it starts from a young age. I actually have a deaf and blind brother. His name is Ashish. He's older than me, um, even though he's still like my baby brother. So we've always had kind of a different bond uh, that I don't think most siblings have. So uh, he spent most of the li- most of his young life in the hospital. So I would always accompany him. So medicine was always kind of just a part of life. You know, I just still remember going to his clinic appointments and all the other doctors being like, yeah, we can't wait for you to be a doctor one day. And it was really cool just because I feel like I could be with him. I feel like I was learning things. So, you know, I ended up going to medical. So I'm in medical school now, so it all worked out well. Um, so I went to business school and then I did, you know, some time in corporate America and I really enjoyed it. I got to do some cool things at Procter & Gamble and do some advertising there. But I think at the end of the day, I think about, you know, what is what is something that makes you get up in the morning when your alarm goes off early in the morning? And so I decided, okay, I think medical medicine is the right move. So I attended medical school at the Indiana University and I'm there now uh, and time has really flown by. Thank you so much for sharing that background. So interesting to hear about, you know, your relationship with you and your brother. I'd love to learn more about that. Were you always close? Did it evolve over time? Yeah. So, um, you know, even though he's like, uh, he's my older brother. So when I was little and I couldn't really understand kind of what was going on, you know, he was just like a normal brother to me. He always helped me down the stairs so I wouldn't fall down. I would always like watch TV with me. I didn't really know the difference. I think that kind of helped at an early age, uh, you know, just because he still did all the stereotypical things that a big brother does, like teases me and, and you know, gives me a hard time and pushes me sometimes to mess around. He was also very protective. And so I think just over time, I started to understand that he was different and then understanding kind of like, why he was different and understanding that, you know, he might not understand things as readily as other people do and understanding like how he communicates, um, being very different. And I think it's kind of like transitions 
uh, roles for us where I started to learn like, okay, like, I'm probably the big brother in this case and start to become really protective of him. So he uses sign language, uh, American tactile sign language because he's deaf and blind. So uh, if I sign, his hands sit on mine and he understands my signs. Uh, and people are like, oh, like, how did you learn that? And to me, it's pretty native, right? Like, I mean, I had to learn it to talk to my brother. So I just learned a word at a time over the years and here I am. Uh, even though my parents gave both of us like equal attention, learning that some days, you know, are harder for him than they are for me. I mean, understanding that at an early age is, is really important and I think helped kind of mold our relationship. I mean, I, I love the special relationship that you're describing. It sounds like you guys are really close. At what age, you know, either your age or your brother's age, like when did you realize that he was both deaf and blind? Was he born that way or was it something that you learned later on? Yeah. So uh, when my parents came to America in 1988, they actually didn't know he was blind and it turns out he wasn't born uh, deaf and blind. So he was, you know, born very premature at 24 weeks. Um, so even though he was, you know, blind really early, technically he wasn't born blind. And I think that's something I always think about. Um, and so, you know, kudos to them for coming to a new country with, you know, a deaf and blind baby and kind of having to navigate the entire healthcare system and, you know, figuring out what's what, um, you know, how do you care for this kind of child? What are resources that are available? Uh, and then, you know, as they really got a handle on that, they started to teach me like, okay, like, you know. Ashish has like all these appointments that, you know, it might not be as easy for parents to attend my like youth basketball tournaments and things like that. So little sacrifices along the way, but it's hard to say, uh, you know, I think it's just slowly piece by piece. You learn how this person is different and, and they're, it's not as, you know, the big brother, big, big, like sibling, little sibling type of relationship that you see on like prototypical TV shows. Uh, life's just a little bit different, but it's been good. I love hearing that because I just feel like in our parents, were just like another level of resilient and they just have, they just took so much that came at them and handled it with such grace. Growing up, how did your relationship with your brother change your life or shape your life to what it is now? I would say that it's completely different perspective. You know, I think when, you know, for us, it's like the littlest things can kind of throw our days off. And for him, you know, as someone who can't see or can't hear, he finds joy in like the smallest things. Um, so he loves like when you drive the car really fast because he can feel it. Uh, he's a big foodie. So, you know, the littlest things make him happy. And I think it's a good gut check for the rest of us always and a reminder every day of just if someone who cannot see, cannot hear, can always be smiling all the time. How bad of a day are we really having? He's always recalibrating me and, and bringing me down to earth about, you know, what really matters. For him, it's really hard to have a bad day. And I think that's how kind of we should all be. I have goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I feel like we all need to meet your brother or have him on. He sounds like an incredible human being. So I guess like alongside that, growing up with him and, and having a brother who is differently abled, like what has that been like for your family and for your parents? I know you described when they immigrated and really had to learn the system, but in terms of just like on a day-to-day, -day, you know, what what is different in your life? Day-to-day, -day, I mean, you know, our schedule kind of revolves around him. So he has like a variety of medical conditions as well. So he, <laughs> he sleeps about like 16 hours a day. Uh, so he looks really good, you know, has like great hairline, great skin, uh, you know, the life. We take care of him when he gets up and he has a lot of medications he needs. Uh, he needs to eat lunch at a certain time so he can follow his medication regimen. We have to kind of shorten things if we're going out late at night so he's not very tired the next day. It's just a bunch of little like considerations you build in over time. Were you always that understanding brother or did you grow that over time as you matured? 
I think just because I, I started to learn as an early age, I never, you know, fortunately it wasn't like any kind of traumatic event that changed my life. It was what I always knew. There are of course times when I was like, you know, why are my friends able to go out at nighttime and I'm not, or, you know, why are, you know, their whole family allowed to come to the basketball game and, and mine can't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think really any of those things mattered. You know, I'm able to still do so many things with him that I think other siblings do. Um, he actually has amazing technology. Uh, so he can, he has a, an iPhone actually um, that connects to a braille device and he can text and email and surf the internet. And I mean, I would have never thought that my brother would be texting me. Uh, he just texted me a little while ago, actually. He asked me every day what I ate for lunch <laughs> religiously. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah, he's a really good big brother. So yeah, I mean, it's amazing just the technology that's enabled things to happen. I mean, you know, being so far away, about 10 hours away and, and, and a two-legged flight away would be very tough, but uh, technology makes it very easy for us. Uh, and I think that's really cool. Um, Red, I love that. I love that you're so far away and he's still being a protective big brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Are there any challenges that come alongside this that, you know, you would want to touch upon? Like, what are the biggest challenges of going on this journey, either for you or for your family or even for your brother? It's interesting being having been on both sides. I think when you're in medicine, you always kind of think of like the provider side, like I want to take care of people. But then I've been on the other side, right? I've been on the patient side. I know what it's like when the physicians aren't very attentive to his chart and don't understand that he needs certain medications before he gets a blood transfusion or he spikes a fever. So I think I'm able to kind of understand uh, what it's like to be like a relative of someone who is like that, but also wanting to help change that and change their health care. And my parents have always done a great job of, you know, kind of understanding that I'm really protective of him and understanding like when to kind of hide little things from me. I remember when I was interviewing for medical school, um, was that was not a great time for his health, unfortunately. Um, and so I remember like flying back from one of my interviews back home. My mom's like, look, like she, my mom picked me up from the airport and she's like, look, like she's in the hospital. It's not a big deal. Like. He just needed blood and then we went straight to the hospital from there right so but my parents always did a great job of you know letting my goals and my dreams come first uh when needed uh and then of course we went straight to the hospital like clockwork uh hung out with him for a good bit and he ended up doing just fine then you know even those little things that you know we say like okay that makes things harder and i think it reinforces it pretty well you know what can, what else can reinforce your desire to go into medicine other than hopping back on a flight and then suddenly becoming you know on the patient side and are there any things that people will say microaggressions in general yeah you know generally i think i've always just kind of had a guard up and been ready for that moment but i think society's advanced a lot over time and become very understanding of this population um you know i try to notice those things every day like when we if we go out to eat you know people usually give them space um if we sit down at a restaurant uh usually like you know the waitress or waiter will you know, bring him a cup with a lid on it or bring him a barrel menu. So I can see the effort and, and I really appreciate it every day, you know, whether uh, sometimes it misses. Uh, in some cases, like we were somewhere and the person was like, oh, like, does he need an interpreter? Or like brought out like a video screen. And I was like, oh, like he can't see also. So like, that's not going to work. But you know, just the fact that people are like aware, uh, I think that's like the number one thing you can do is just be aware, try to be understanding and try to do your part. Um, is really important. I think, unfortunately, uh, in other countries, that's probably not the case. Uh, but I think awareness does increase um, every time. And, and I think it's getting better. So I'm really excited for the deaf community and the deaf and blind community. Really warms my heart that you haven't had that experience because, um, you know, maybe others aren't, aren't quite as fortunate. And so yeah. I'm really happy to hear that. But 
how can our community, you know, being the Smiley community or even the South Asian community generally be more supporting or, you know, create spaces that are supportive and understanding of, you know, families that are similar to yours? So my brother loves to go to Jamaicana. Like he's you know, the most popular kid there easily. Uh, and you can always hear him and everything like that. He tries to say his doan is gnan, but um, you know, the biggest thing is like just people like giving him space or like letting him walk or, you know, like, let, like if there's a long line, people will let him in front, you know, just little things like that. Like I said, just being aware. I think it's tough when it's such a, you know, it's such a unique case, right? Like there's, you're not asking for any kind of like groundbreaking infrastructure to make things happen, but you're just kind of asking for people to like, just be aware and just think a little bit sometimes about like, you know, how people can be different. Uh, and, you know, running across uh, the hall to talk to your friend at full speed probably isn't the priority. Uh, it's probably just, you know, slowing down and being careful about who's around you. Yeah, absolutely. You might not have had this experience, but has your relationship with your brother impacted, changed, enhanced your connection with other people? You know, you mentioned earlier that your brother is very positive, has a great outlook on life. Has that, you know, flown over to your other friendships, relationships? Yeah, um, you know, I think I'm widely known as Ashish's brother in a lot of circles, uh, just because he is, you know, so likable. And and I've seen, I mean, even in Jamaat Khanna, you know, I've seen little kids like run up to him and like try to spell their name in sign language. And like when people see him, I think like they're very curious. And then as they get older, they try to like get involved because I think there's like this desire to want to connect with people that are different. And so even if it's like something as little as like trying to learn the alphabet in sign language, that goes a long way. A good friend of mine in school sent my brother uh, an IU t-shirt because he knows that he's like a big like school fan of wherever I go. So just the little things like that, you know, I, I've seen and the connections that people try to make with him, uh, even though they might not have the technical capability as far as sign language goes to communicate with him is, is really special. Uh, my cousins will take him for a drive all the time and he, he loves that. Like the little things make him happy. So, he, you know, those little, you know, bits of just trying to make a difference uh, really go a long way. Yeah, I just had a quick follow up and I love, love to hear that. I love that, you know, he feels accepted. He feels like there's space for him in JK and he loves going. That's so beautiful. You know, just like for the sake of, you know, other communities, other states, other JKs, was there a learning curve for your Jamath Khanna to kind of, you know, build that open environment and space for him? Or was it just, did it just come naturally? Um, I would say it took some time and, and on both fronts, right? Like our front and understanding like how Ashish is going to engage with so many people uh, because he does get very excited. He does feel very overwhelmed sometimes. Um, so our part in kind of like slowly introducing him, making him understand what is what, first you have to make him understand like where he's going and why he's going there, right? Uh, and then understanding like, okay, you're going to meet people, but you can't like talk to them about cars all the time. <laughs> like you have to like go there to do what you're supposed to do. I think it's tougher coming from a, a smaller Jamaicana, you know, just like size wise, physically, just, you know, like there tends to not be as much infrastructure um, and things like that. But the good part is also like it's, you know, it's a double edged sword. So like the good part is everyone also knows him and it's really easy for everyone to just be really aware. So it was a process. I think we first tried to introduce him uh, like probably 10 years ago. And that was really tough just because there were so many people and it was a lot for him. But now he loves to go. We've been very cautious with him with COVID, of course. So he's been kind of like, oh, I want to go to JK, you know, and we're like, okay, like probably not the best idea for you right now. But he loves it now. It's really awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I have actually a follow up question there. Like, and you've touched upon this a couple times, but what has COVID been like for him, you know, and like for your family? Yeah, so um, COVID for us is, you know, like, I mean, as it should be for everyone is, is you know, a very big deal. 
Um, but we have to be extra careful with him. Um, he has, you know, compromised immune system. He's on like chemo drugs for his like blood and things like that. So we're always very careful with him anyway, but we're extra careful. And we're kind of wondering, like, you know, he's a social butterfly. Like, how is he going to take not being able to hang out with a bunch of people and not being able to go out to restaurants? That's like his number one thing is like he wants to eat at like a new restaurant every week. They don't build them at the rate that he wants to go to them. But, you know, he's become very understanding. We taught him like about coronavirus. We taught him about like how it's transmitted and what can happen to people. And we talk about like, you know, the importance of social distancing and wearing a mask. So he's been very understanding. He's I'm so proud of him. Like he's you know been really understanding about it. So we try to do things within limits for him. You know, if we go to a restaurant, we'll call in advance and kind of see how it goes. We'll go during off peak time, <laughs> get like a corner booth and stick him in the corner. So no one really encounters him. You know, it's tough, right? Like when you're home, like you and I can just watch TV or binge Netflix all day. But like, that's not a thing for him. You know, he really likes to get out and meet people and, and just have fun and, and drive around. So He's, he's done a great job. I'm really proud of him. Uh, he's pretty tired of it now, I think. I think he's mostly just bored of like having that as an excuse for everything. He's like, when is it going to be over? But no, he's done an awesome job. So then moving forward, now you're in medical school. How did you know your relationship with your brother and your family impact your decision to go back? I know you said it's been a rewarding experience to be on the other side. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, I always try to think of like going above and beyond for my patient, just as many doctors have gone for my brother, I try to always think of it uh, as paying it forward that way. And I try to think about, you know, like what were qualities in people who were really good doctors for my brother and what were qualities in the people who probably weren't the best fit for him. And I think of, you know, people who are patient, who have good communication skills, able to explain things in layman's terms to my parents or to my brother, uh, because he's very inquisitive too. He likes to know what's going on and people who just give him time is really important. So I think those are all things that I just want to really emulate when I finished on the other side and, and try not to lose track of. And so it was really nice because it was almost just always like this, like these these rails that I could just, you know, stay within and, and these these guidelines. And it was always like a check, right? Like, am I becoming the physician, physician that I wanted to become and that I want my brother to have? I try to always, you know, like go check on them an extra time or make sure I'm reading their labs extra carefully, making sure I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. So, you know, in terms of you also mentioned that you have this organization that you lead. Was that also kind of inspired from, you know, growing up with your brother? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say in some part, because even though I wanted, even though I grew up around my brother and I was like, okay, like doctor, like I want to go do that. I, I still didn't know how. I mean, I was the first one in my family, my immediate family to graduate from college. I was the first one in my extended family to go to medical school. And so wanting to do something and having the resources or, you know, the know, know how to get there are two completely different things. And so when I was studying for my boards, actually, my second year, about six months ago, they kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back because of COVID. It allows you some time for reflection. And, and I thought about like, you know, what did I learn from my first two years? What did I see? You know, and I noticed that there were kids in my class who, you know, grew up in families of physicians or came from communities that churned out physicians left and right. I'm like, okay, you know, if you're a student from a city that doesn't churn out physicians, if you're the first one in your family, how do you compete with that? And what are you supposed to do if, if you don't have that opportunity or you don't have those connections? So I, I figured, you know, there must be a way for for people to get mentorship from people who look like them and have been through what they've been through because the advice doesn't exactly hold true and may not be as applicable in many cases. So getting advice from someone who looks like you, who's been through what you've been through is way more important. 
but there didn't seem like there was a, an organized way to do it. You know, it's just usually like med Twitter, what they call it, where all like the physicians are on med Twitter and med students. They're like, yeah, you know, if you have any questions, just message me. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. I just started this thing called Prescribe It Forward six months ago. It's a nonprofit that pairs underrepresented, first generation, low income LGBTQ students, you know, basically traditionally disadvantaged groups in medicine to help get medical advice from medical students on their journey to becoming physicians. So I knew, you know, the need was there for students, but I was super surprised at how many people wanted to help also. So it's going really well. Super excited. My brother's really proud. He wears his uh, prescribed before t-shirt uh, all the time. Uh, he's a big fan of everything I do. Uh, we have about 1,200 mentors on our platform across 44 states. We've already helped over 1,600 students. Wow, that is so, so incredible. And congratulations on all that your organization has accomplished. I appreciate thus that. Far. And that's, that's so exciting. Um, so then going along with that, looking forward, what are your hopes for your organization? Yeah, so we've set up an awesome team. So now we're in it for the long haul. Uh, you know, there's this responsibility of like people rely on this. People have seen results from this. Uh, we've changed some lives. And so now we have to kind of do this forever. You know, I want it to be like the one-stop shop for medicine. I want it to be uh, a safe place, an inclusive place. You know, we don't ask for test scores or grades or anything like that. When we match with mentors, we have discussion forums that are heavily monitored, uh, unlike some other sites that can kind of like not be the most encouraging places. Um, we started just now scholarships to students that is so incredible i mean yeah huge congratulations for everything <laughs> that you've accomplished i mean i can't wait to to continue hearing about your growth Appreciate thanks that. for for starting that i mean you obviously have done quite a lot for others and so you know really appreciate you being here and talking about it with us so kind of to to begin to wrap up what is your advice to those who have family members or loved ones you know with deafness or blindness or different abilities like what would you say to them I think the biggest thing is like, firstly, acknowledging that. I think it's like a really big step to understand like, yes, life is different for us and that's okay. I think to try to like have a normal life, you know, in air quotes, like what is normal anyway, but just, you know, try to play everybody else's game is, is very hard and it'll be very hard on you. So I think the biggest thing is understanding like, yes, life is different. How is life different? And what parts of what parts of that can you find like solace in, so to speak? Like, you know, for my brother, like it means like, you know, we still do a lot of fun things. We still like to go to the movies and he likes to eat popcorn. He just, I think he just goes to eat popcorn. Um, that's about it. So we saw Pinocchio the other day and he just was there to eat popcorn. Uh, but just little things like that, right? Like, you know, finding the joy in little things and understanding like why you're doing the things that you're doing is really important. And then again, just like trying to help out. You know, if you ever see like I had a deaf patient one time and I was super excited because like I can't imagine how many times like a deaf patient comes to the hospital and, and of course they have interpreters and things like that, but it's very like transactional, right? Like it's very like I'm the doctor, this is the, the interpreter or translator and like you're the patient. Um, so for me to just even go in there and just even know sign language, obviously not to the love of an interpreter or to replace the interpreter, but just it puts the patient at ease, right? And I think just knowing that and, and knowing that you should do your part to help make others feel comfortable, it just the effort counts. I think people are sometimes afraid to get involved because they're like, oh, I don't I don't know sign language perfectly or I don't really know a lot about the deaf community, but um, the effort's widely appreciated. And I think as long as you come from a good place and you're willing to help and do the right thing, I think you'll put them at ease, but you'll also feel at ease. That's such an important message i think just across the board you know people recognize that you're trying to 
you know, make spaces comfortable for them. So I think that's so, so important. And then just finally, we'd love to give you the space and open up the floor. If we didn't ask anything that we should have, or if there's anything you would like to share with the listeners, this is your time to do so. No, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's always nice to kind of reflect. I think just, you know, life is always going a million miles an hour and and things like this kind of help you slow down and reflect on kind of where you've been and where you're going. So I always appreciate stuff like this because it kind of helps recalibrate you a little bit. Thank you so much. I love that. I feel like that's one of the best open floor responses we've gotten, just taking the opportunity to reflect on this and on everything you've achieved. So that's amazing. Um, So (laughs) we've had so much fun talking to you and, and learning about your story and your brother, who sounds incredible. We just have one more piece of this now, which is a lot... A, a lot more fun, I guess, uh, or okay. less scary. <laughs> it's, it's been fun. It's been fun already. <laughs> so this is called Rapid Fire. We're going to ask you 12 questions in the span of 90 seconds. Dream travel destination? Ooh, Italy. Favorite app on your phone? Twitter. Talking or texting? Texting. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip. Original. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Um, you don't need to be a physician in order to help people. What's a word you use too much? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, biggest pet peeve? Uh, when people don't make uh, an equal effort. Early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl. Go to airport snack. Auntie Anne's pretzels. Good one. Milk or cereal first? Oh, cereal first. What song is your anthem? The Kobe Bryant song by Lil Wayne, the mixtape. Favorite childhood TV show? Rugrats. Oh my God, crushed it in one minute. Wow, you were all so twelve questions. Quick. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so, so much for being here. I mean, it was such a pleasure meeting you and having this conversation. No, likewise. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. So important. Welcome back. We hope you loved listening to Aaron's story and loved his episode. We will see you all in two weeks. And aside from that, the weeks that we aren't releasing episodes, we're doing a unique careers feature because we figured there's so many wonderful smiles doing wonderful things for their jobs and we wanted a space to highlight that so that's on our instagram on our highlights if you missed that you can still watch some of those stay tuned for any future ones that we do thanks everyone <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>